podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome for the last time this season to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent Derby County podcast. Thanks so much for listening once again. It's been a long, long, long season, which uh, at one point looked like it might not even finish at all. But we've uh, we've stumbled over the line together and we're here to wrap up the Rams' ridiculous roller coaster where Derby flirted briefly with the playoffs, only to trip over our words vomit on our shoes and stagger home alone waiting to do it all over again <laughs> next time uh, i'm your host chris parsons and joining me in person no less smooth talkers and tom martin good to see you hello this is nice isn't it tom martin welcome back great to be here chris and richard kutcher we're reunited some said this day would never happen again i've always looked forward to sitting two yards away from you chris <laughs> and, uh, talking to microphone in your garden so i'm glad the dream has finally arrived uh, before we continue, a shout out for our podcast partners this season at Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer. We've all got an L on the go. The sun's shining. It's a glorious early August day. Uh, how are we all feeling now the final chapter of the season is uh, is out of the way? Are we missing football already or just glad it's all over? I'm definitely not missing football yet. Obviously, Derby football is other football going on, which I'm, I'm still watching. Um, I really enjoyed post-lockdown, particularly the first three games post-lockdown, and it was really great. I think we'll come on to it later, but that Millwall game actually was one of my highlights of the whole season. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying a bit of a break. I think obviously Derby needs a bit of a reset, so hopefully uh, great things come from September. I'll, I'll definitely be ready for it mid-September. Yeah, as, as much as I enjoyed football being back and so frequent I, th- I think we all needed a bit of a break having football on every single day um was starting to take its toll after a while i, I think derby's waning form probably didn't help with that um, waning form good <laughs> <laughs> superb from you anton you've been saving that one up haven't you <laughs> that's, sens- that's sensational <laughs> well yeah derby's waning form didn't help with that um thanks chris um but um i i think i was ready for a break and just looking ahead to next season now yeah, multiple games of football every single day was great for the first sort of three or four weeks while Derby were winning. But when the uh, when the going got got tough, unfortunately Derby didn't really get going, uh, and as a result, we sort of slipped out of that playoff position. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely ready for the. Uh, well, I've been enjoying the end of the season and not being worried about Derby screwing up the playoffs, which was uh, quite nice not uh, not to be involved in this year. So it definitely did feel like a bit of a chore I think towards the end particularly are we committing to doing a pod every week and then it wasn't much great things to talk about yeah, that wasn't the best weeks. idea was it well, it felt like a good idea after the first three wins it felt like a brilliant idea um, I think to be honest the, the, the return of football was kind of perfectly timed you know relatively with lockdown like we were all definitely ready for that like it was kind of the end of the proper lockdown and we definitely needed that everyone I think needed that distraction and uh, yeah it was relatively relatively enjoyable we're recording this a week or so after Derby's 3-1 win at Birmingham, which saw them finish 10th this season on 64 points, uh, our lowest points total since 2012-2013. But of course, that barely tells half the story for our season. So here's a helpful reminder 
of some of the highs and lows our club went through since last summer. Philip Koku, the new manager of Derby County, welcome to the club. Thank you very much. Pritchard coming back, still Vogel, now Lawrence, Lawrence goes through a little curler, what a goal! This okay, is the site that Derby cool. fans probably thought they were never going to see. Wayne Rooney at Pride Park sat there ready to address the media about becoming a Derby County player. Martin! Out of the wilderness, onto the score sheet! Two of Derby County's players were arrested on a charge of drink driving. It turned out that Richard Keogh was in one of the cars. Initially, there were reports that he'd broken his wrist, but since then, it turned out that he sustained a serious knee injury, which is going to prevent him from playing until the end of the season. Derby re remains stunned, as I understand it, and furious by what has gone on. The impact that it's had on the club in terms of reputational damage is, is huge. This to settle it, it's 3-0 again. Another trip to London, another 3-0 defeat. He's found Bird, and it's here for no! Well, that's breaking news, Ken. It's, um, it's, it's not good news. We've literally been on Twitter and found out that uh, club record signing Christian Bielik has been stretched off for the under-23s after appearing to injure his knee. I think this, more than anything else, probably makes Philip Koku one of the unluckiest managers we've had in our recent history. It's Rooney. It is vintage Wayne Rooney. Here's Sibley in the box. Goes around one, then two. Sibley with the shot. Simply. To go from the elation that we had against Millwall last week to go to the other end now in terms of having to, you know, this news about Andre, I think it's actually sparing the guys on and pushing them even more to, to, to want to succeed. Rooney will take it, delivers it into the box, keepers coming, keepers dropping, ball is off the line, ball is in the net, surely, is it? Yes, it is! Derby season ends with victory at Birmingham City. It's the way that Philip Koku wanted them to sign off. Yeah, I mean, listening back to that, it's, it's no wonder the season's felt like it's gone on for, forever. I know we've had a, an extra few months, but there have been enough stories to last pretty much a decade for any club. Um, it's just amazing listening to that back. Um, I mean, the way Koku's managed to deal with that is, is the first thing that, that springs to mind. He, he's been absolutely incredible. I'm so glad that we've had someone so calm at the helm to, to get us through um, all of these difficult times. Yeah, I totally echo what Anton says about Koku, but um, I really feel that Amazon have missed a trick here because they filmed Sunderland a couple of years ago. They filmed Spurs this year. They should have been filming Derby because, like, what's gone it's on? Really gold. Yeah, oh, what's gone I'd on have, this I'd year? I'd have watched the hell out of that documentary. <laughs> I can't believe it, yeah. and I mean, they got leads last year perfectly with the... Uh, the the non-promotion promotion story but but derby has just been it's been a car crash on and off the field at times but then it's been brilliant as well like there's been so much positivity of the the young players coming through but there's been serious highs and serious lows over this season how would you or then sum up this season for derby county and philip koku in one word would you say kutch and, and a follow-up to that how do you think this season will be remembered when we look up look back on it in say 10 years time I think being generous, I think the word I'd use is transition, which is a word I hate generally. <laughs> um, I think we should look at it as a transition season. There's lots of other words probably we wouldn't want to use. The um, most loaded use of the word transition, I think. Yeah, I mean, we're a family-friendly show, so there's other words we probably could use. Um, so, uh, 
yeah, transition will be the word. In terms of what I think this season will be remembered by, other than lockdown, obviously, everyone's going to remember 2019, 20 as a lockdown season. Um, I really hope in 10 years' time, the, the, what we remember this season for is the emergence of three legends, Derby County legends in Sibley, Bird and Jason Knight, who all have the ability to go on and play lots and lots of games for Derby if they're not sold soon. So that's what I hope remembering this season for but otherwise i definitely think it's a i think it's a definition of a transition season yeah i would go along a, a similar theme but maybe slightly more optimistic and, and go with evolution um the emergence of all those young players hopefully will have a lasting impact on this team i, th- I think as your kind of second question came chris i think we'll look back on this season and hopefully as a new chapter and hopefully we'll look back in in kind of maybe hopefully one year time but maybe two or three years time and it will be the start of the promotion um, team with Derby and, and the team that finally gets us out of this league that we've been trying to for um, several years. So evolution is, is what I go with. Several several and the rest. <laughs> I'd say, well, I guess several where we've been promotion contenders. I would say chaotic, if I'm being generous, I think. Um, chaotic in a good way, in a bad way. And in terms of how it'll be remembered in 10 years, I think it'll be difficult not to look at this as a season when that car crash thing happened to Derby and when Wayne Rooney joined Derby. I think that's what neutrals will will think about for Derby County this season. But from a more inward supporter's point of view, like I say, Kutch, I'd like to think we would look back on this in 10 years' time as the breakthrough season for three, if not more, players who could go on to play 100 200 games for the club it's, it's almost a silver lining perhaps you might look at this uh, this season there's been a lot of dark clouds there but there there is some some sort of shoots of positivity I was going to use the uh, the buzzword of 2020 uh, which has been unprecedented and I certainly think this has been a that that kind of season the, the amount of things that Derby have been involved in which just just have never happened in my lifetime but I don't think in anyone else's lifetime signing a, a world-class player in, in Wayne Rooney um, having p- players who've got drunk and and being in a car crash and then uh, a player getting injured and out for, for 18 months uh, a player getting stabbed while visiting family like it's, it's just just mad to think about the things that have happened it's the sort of stuff that if a script writer came up with this season you'd probably be told it's just too outlandish and ridiculous wouldn't yeah. you oh, yeah totally and every time I see Derby trending on Twitter or something like that I'm just like what's happened now and I know it's going to be something ridiculous and hopefully the ridiculous things are are easing off and hopefully we can go into next season with a completely fresh slate obviously we've got the EFL charge sort of pending over us um, but but yeah it's, this year, this last year has been absolutely bedlam I think would be my, my one word to, I like that. to describe it that's a good one the season finished of course with that bizarre midweek final day which in the end was pretty inconsequential for Derby um, we had literally nothing to play for by then but for some other teams though it was an absolute humdinger of a of a final day. One of the greatest final days of the championship for a number of years. And I'm not just saying that as a Derby fan, given what we all know happened to our uh, East Midlands rivals. We don't really hammer Forrest that much on this podcast, but I mean, it'd be rude not to in this case. Let's just, <laughs> let's just remind ourselves of what they had to do. All they had to do, they'd been in the top six, I believe since Boxing Day. Yeah. I think I read that. All they needed to do was just avoid getting smashed at home by Stoke. They could have lost 1-0 to Stoke at home or 2-0 and still finished inside the playoffs. But even Forest fans would admit that what happened on that last day was just the mother 
of all bottle jobs. It was extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot. We, we have a go at Leeds a lot for using the line kind of, uh, you know, you didn't beat us, we beat ourselves. Forest definitely beat themselves. If you think back, you know, for the post our game, they didn't win a game after we drew them, I don't believe. So Chris Martin is pretty pretty responsible. And Morgan Whitaker, you know, for winning that free kick and <laughs> and Worrell for giving away that free kick because really that's where it all stems back to. Um, it, it's, it's fantastic to see. I, I kind of try to avoid in general kind of football banter in relation to other teams. Obviously, I give it to Leeds and Bielsa a lot and I will continue to do that. Um, but it was, I was really going off football Twitter, as I told you on the WhatsApp group. And actually... The, the, the end of the season matches kind of re reinstated my my love of it just watching the forest meltdown and, and some excellent social media content from all involved are you saying the last day was a huge dub <laughs> uh, not not my words chris uh and i have muted it it's funny when i put when i put that twitter thing out the other day a tweet i believe it's called um the other day uh complaining about that phrase i actually already muted dub and huge dub so i, I got a few replies which i presume were all replying saying huge dub but i couldn't see them which was excellent because i i muted it but it was a huge dub yes anton do you think we i mean we we're all watching it unfold and as we said our whatsapp group was probably popping off more on that last day about Forest than it has done about any Derby match for the last three years. But do you think what happened to Forest was maybe worse than what happened to us in fourteen fifteen? If you remember when Derby just needed a point at home to Reading to finish in the top six and lost three nil and miss a penalty. I get I mean they're both equally equally abysmal and complete bottle jobs, but Forest don't really have any way that they can possibly call us a bottle job anymore can they no I mean the main difference was the goal difference as well that, that Forrest had to um, kind of give away we we kind of floated the idea earlier in the day on, on our whatsapp group that Swansea could potentially put five past Reading what we didn't expect was Forrest to ship four at home to Stoke which is just absolutely rem- remarkable um, I think based on on that that the number of goals that had to swing between the two it's it's for me much worse than what we did against um reading all those years ago and much funnier as well it's possible both we can we can both be bottle jobs though it's not one of, it's not one <laughs> of the other and i think we have probably earned that title over the last few years but it's nice to give it to someone else as well oh without doubt and the the nice thing well the brilliant thing about that last day is it wasn't derby involved and then the even better thing was the fact it was forest like the arch rivals are there and they are screwing up even worse than what derby did that last goal the as they were chasing to to try and get the uh, the goal which would have given them the playoff position then to concede that on the counter of McLean sort of flying down the wing crossing in the fact it's an own goal from a striker who was signed in January hasn't scored for them um scored uh, scored an own goal it's even more sweeter we'll play some clips before a few minutes ago about what has happened to Derby in the 2019-20 season uh, arguably more happened off the pitch than it did on the pitch there were all those 3-0 defeats before Christmas very much a season of two halves the resurgence after Christmas with Wayne Rooney but the question I had for you all is when you think about where we were when Koku joined the club before that pre-season and where we are now do you think we're a better side now than we were when Koku took over well if you compare us to the first game of the season yes although we did play well in that particular match um I mean obviously compared to the last game of last season no because we were in a playoff final and we've lost Mount Keo, Wilson, Tamori, um, and had injury problems. So, but you know, Koku's obviously improved what he's had to 
work with throughout the season. So I think comparing to the start of the season, we're absolutely a better team and with much more promise, bearing in mind the players we've mentioned who, who have broke in from the youth academy. I think the the error that some people sometimes make is, is comparing this team to what finished last season with those three loan signings, as you say. And Keo. I mean, yeah, and Keo. Um, so it, it's really incomparable that the fact that you take those three amazing players out of this team. If, if you do compare the final couple of months of the season to the first couple of months, there's there's no doubt that we have improved as a team. Um, the young players have obviously grown into it. You can see the style that Koku's trying to implement and, and that is starting to rub off on the players. At the start of the season, it was a little bit all over the place. No one really knew what they needed to do. I mean, Koku only had four weeks before the season started, so there's no great surprise in that. But we have started to see that in the second half of the season. I guess the most important thing, Tom, is that regardless of whether we're better now than we were last summer, at least Koku now has a second season, at least for the first time since Clough. Managers are going into back-to-back pre-seasons. The same manager is doing that. It's not another new man coming in with their own ideas, their own people, their own style of play, their own transfer targets, which we have done every year since, you know, basically every year for the past five years. Um, So is one of the biggest things we're going to benefit from just the fact that Cocker is still here? Yeah, and that was the point. The only thing I could have added to what Kutch and Anton had said there is the fact of I'm actually more... Uh, positive for next season than I was last year uh, even before Lampard had left for Chelsea because like, it's that, that going into there was such sort of doubts surrounding whether Lampard would stay and it was disrupting the, the club uh, and obviously the team and it was and it went into our pre-season where we would basically start a pre-season without a manager so even if Lampard had stayed there would have been some uncertainty about what would happen uh, into the beginning of this season he then left Koku comes in doesn't have that long as Anton said um, and now he's coming in with the second season I, I'm really hopeful that the way the team has changed and that's tactically but also in terms of uh, the player the players that are there uh, the young players that have come through they, they can really push on and develop and we've seen that from Max Bird from basically December when I think he made his start uh, his first start of the season away at Wigan and since then he's, he's gone on and won player of the season and deservedly so fantastic effort uh, over this this second part of the season so I'm really hopeful for next year which I don't think I've had the same sort of not expectancy it's not about the expectation but it's about the hope that this club is moving in the right direction rather than sort of like lurching from one thing to the next uh, and trying to re- redefine itself massively uh, over, over a summer period which is really difficult so transition is a good word you used earlier Kutch yeah and I think also we'll come on to Chris Martin obviously in the second half of the pod I think but you know if you think about the players who are coming off the wage bill as well Martin Huddleston Anya um you know, possibly a few others as well, and I've probably forgotten one or two others. Oh, Richard Keogh's off the wage bill. So that's huge. They're probably the four highest signing players at the club this season. So at the start of the season. So that's huge, and that talks of the transition. It just gives Cocker a lot, should give Cocker a lot more room. I think we're probably in a financially better situation than he's advertised. I think it's good to say you haven't got any money because that's clubs make the mistake of saying, oh, we're, we're going to spend big in the market, and then they get, you know, ripped off. So I think that in terms of transition, it's it's a great opportunity to reshape the squad in, in the right direction and get things like wage bill and the demographics of the squad under control again. Yeah, so very much a season of two halves, as as I mentioned earlier there. We were just so inconsistent before Christmas and you could obviously tell that the players were clearly struggling to get to grips with Koku's style. There were, there were real low points at, at Brentford early on and then Charlton and then Fulham 
and then Forest, all away, 3-0 defeats, of course. Even Wigan over Christmas, we were still struggling as well. Um, but then after that, there was that turnaround when Rooney arrived. Um, at one point, we were the second... Uh, we, we were top of the form table or second in the form table. Tom, how much do you think that turnaround can be attributed to Rooney? And how much of it do you think was down to other factors? Uh, they're, they're both important, I think. And I don't think they're they're equally important. I do think the, the influence of Rooney has been massive at this club. Um, Cocker was really looking for a leader. And if you think about what happened as, in terms of the position of captaincy uh, in the first half of the season, uh, Keogh, obviously, no need to go into any more detail on that. But there were various other people who have taken the armband, such as Huddleston, for example, in that first half of the season. And there wasn't a real natural leader. Rooney comes in, he gets a captaincy. He's a world-class, experienced player. And he has galvanised that team even if sometimes his performances haven't been great especially in the sort of last sort of four or five games of the season um, at times they have been fantastic of course um, but he's really supported the learning and development of other players and I think Max Bird and the the, the season that he's had um, is really exemplified by that so I think yes there are other factors the, the players have got used to Koku and his tactics and the way he works but I think Rooney has just kick-started that a lot quicker than what it would have happened and without Rooney I think we'd have been in for a worse season than what we ended up with. I think having that on the pitch as well, that leadership quality on the pitch is really important. You, you could look around the squad and, and identify a few leaders within the Derby squad this season, such as Curtis Davis, Huddleston, could argue Forsyth probably falls under that bracket. But none of those players are, are kind of guaranteed starters. They're, they're not on the pitch. And having someone to, to kind of shout at the youngsters to get in position, give them advice and, and just get the whole side going is, is hugely important. I, I agree with every, everything you said there, Tom. Um, I think there are definitely other factors, but Rooney has just been massive for the second half of the season. Yeah, yeah. He has been huge, and I think we shouldn't be that surprised that he tailed off in those last four or five games post lockdown. He hasn't played well in June or July since Euro 2004. So, you know, <laughs> um, so, you know, and also he, he needed a break. You know, we all know that Rooney's, he, to get match fit and stay match fit, he needs to play games. And, uh, and we, I think we saw that, you know, the big, in January he was good, but he became way more effective kind of March, April, February, and then at the start of lockdown as well. Um, I think it was a game every three or four days was just too much for him and we shouldn't be surprised that he looked mentally and physically tired in those last few games and hopefully we'll have a, a refresh Wayne Rooney in September because I think, I think we'll need him again to, to help continue to lift the levels. Well a bit more looking back on the past Derby County season in a second but don't forget you can subscribe to Steve Bloomer's Washing if you want to get the latest episodes sent straight to your device first. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. And we'll be back in a second. Hi, I'm Paolo Wenchop, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. If you fancy access to Derby Brewing Company's great beers on the go at your fingertips, download the newly released Derby Brewing Co. app. It's free, offers in-house ordering, click-and-collect takeaways, and plenty of membership loyalty benefits. They're also running the Marketplace Bar in Derby City Centre, so it's perfect for those late summer drinks in the sun. The app is live now on Android and iOS. Ravenelli. Now Christie, a really positive response here by Derby. Bottien with the cross. It's Ravenelli. Yes! His first league goal since the turn of the year. And Derby are back in front. To part two of the podcast, we're going to rewind all the way back to August when the four of us decided to make uh, a number of predictions for what would happen this season 
Uh, so what I did was I asked Kutch and Tom and Anton and myself to um, predict all of these following things for the 1920 season. I asked for predictions on Derby's final league position, Derby's top scorer in all competitions, the championship top two, the playoff winner, the three relegated teams, the championship top scorer, Derby's breakthrough young player and Derby player of the season. The first caveat for this is that uh, our very own Richard Kutcher lost the file while he made his <laughs> predictions. <laughs> yeah, lost, definitely did lose. I didn't just pretend I lost it. And, yeah. I look, and I look back at the emails and you, when I sent these out and said, can you all send them to me? Uh, you reply saying, yeah, I've sent mine and I'm pretty sure they're all right. Um, <laughs> and now you've lost them, so I'll we'll never know. Well, yeah, exactly. So they probably, if I thought that at the time, they probably were right. So yeah, we, um, we've got these predictions. Should we, should we all try and make ourselves look stupid? Should we all do this? I'm, I'm you, actually you fairly happy with mine. I mean, I'm looking through. They, they are quite boring. I will caveat that. Um, I do apologise for that in advance, but I'm, I'm fairly happy with what I've done for. I, I'm, I'm also pretty happy with my, mine as well. I think I've got a couple spot on and a couple which are reasonably close. So, yeah, right. can't complain. Let's take it one at a time then. Uh, Derby's final league position. Derby finished 10th, of course. Tom, what did you say? I, I actually went 10th. I've, I actually went tenth. Yeah, I've got a nice Google, Google wow, Doc here. Um, fair play. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I went seventh. So outside. The this is the only one that I remember bad. what I put, and I put fifth. I also put fifth. <laughs> <laughs> Preseason optimism, well and truly kicking in for me and Kutch. I, I remember sort of thinking that Derby squad would have been. We finished sixth, obviously, last year, and then losing Mount, Tamori, and uh, and uh, Wilson. And if a new manager, I was like, I'd be quite happy with a top ten finish. So I went for the lower end of that, and we we managed to sneak that on the last day. So good shout, Derby's top scorer in all competitions and number of goals. I'll go first in this one. I said Martin Waghorn, which is technically correct, with nineteen goals, <laughs> which in my defence is I think what he should have had. He's got the penalty. <laughs> His expected goals is about that, isn't it? Uh, Sorry, so I said Waghorn nineteen, so I got it half right, Tom. Uh, I also went Martin Waghorn, not quite as high as you, but 16 goals. So uh, I was underplaying Martin Waghorn's goals again. Doing well, so far. Uh, but yeah. yeah, and similar theme because I went Waggy 17. Okay. Okay, so we're all doing right so far. Championship top two uh, was, of course, Leeds and West Brom. Anton? So I put number one Fulham and number two Leeds. I, was, I didn't really want to put Leeds, but I thought that was the, the obvious shout. I would just like to sit here smugly because I said Leeds and West Brom. <laughs> so uh, I had a massive anti-Leeds bias in my predictions and went West Brom 1, Fulham 2. So uh, unfortunately they're just the one. I remember I did put Leeds finishing outside the playoffs. So. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, Kutch. <laughs> Easy to say now. Uh, playoff winner. Tom, who did you say? Well, not Fulham, obviously. Uh, certainly not Fulham. Uh, I backed this team at the beginning of the uh, lockdown to my <laughs> deep regret, and I went Bristol City. <laughs> um, I didn't go for West Brom to get in the top two, but I did go for them to, to go up through the playoffs. Okay. I said Fulham, which could still happen. So we're recording this uh, two days before the playoff final, um, so it's going to either be Brentford or Fulham. Um, so I'm technically still on for full house there if you ignore the uh, fifth, fifth place finish I do want Brentford to go up just for the record I think they play excellent football the three relegated teams who were of course Charlton Wigan with a points deduction 
and Hull. Barnsley finishing just outside the bottom three after Wigan got plunged into it. I said Charlton, Reading and Luton. I'm, I'm quite similar to that actually. The, the final day drama did help me out with my prediction. So I went Charlton, Wigan and Reading as well. I don't think anyone gets, po- I don't think anyone gets points for Wigan. Yeah. Well, they went down, Cut. Yeah, so. no, in, in mitigating circumstances. Well, in which case do I get a point for Barnsley? Yeah. Oh, right. That's right. Table doesn't lie. I mean, I was very, very close with it until Charlton then dropped in for the first time. I think the second time in the season on the, in the 91st minute, I went Barnsley, Luton and then Wigan. Uh, and that was pretty much there and uh, on the 50th. Sorry. That was pretty much there on the 45th game. And then uh, obviously Barnsley with an outstanding like recovery and Luton as well for an outstanding recovery dropped uh, dropped Charlton in there and obviously Wigan with their 12 point deduction put them in there we're, we're quite good at this aren't we this isn't how I anticipated <laughs> this going at all <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, championship top scorer uh, at the moment it's tied between Alexander Mitrovic and Ollie Watkins both on 26 for the season Anton what did you say this was a no brainer I went Mitrovic yeah I mean, for me there wasn't anyone else apart from Mitrovic but Watkins has had a great season so fair play but it was Mitrovic for me you went Mitrovic yeah. I also went Mitrovic oh. Derby's breakthrough young player uh, it's probably a bit vague in hindsight I maybe should have said Derby's young player of the season but um, Derby's young player of the season in the end was Max Bird I put Jason Knight Tom what did you put so I actually put Max Bird and um, I can claim this one because I went back through a podcast that we did at the beginning of the season talking about young players and uh, I listened back to our, our recording and I, was, I did say Max Bird because on my bit of paper I'd written down it smudged and I couldn't see who that's really last... impressive because Tom doesn't even listen to podcasts when it comes out <laughs> yeah, it's true it's true <laughs> I had to go through about five podcasts so I went back too far I, I actually put a couple of names down and there's good reason for that because my first choice I wasn't sure if that would be counted as a young player because I went Max Lowe um, but he was kind of breaking through already, so I'm not sure if that counted. So my second pick was Morgan Whitaker. I, I just thought with the lack of options in, in those wide attacking positions, he might be the one to, to step up and nail that down. Um, hasn't quite happened yet, but still have some uh, high hopes for, for Whitaker next season. Hopefully. I can see why he would have gone for it, because there's, been a lot, there's a lot of hype around him, a lot of promise, and he does have that goal record for the um, for the kids in the 23s. So. I can verify that, Antoine. That was, in fact, what you said on the podcast I listened to. So, <laughs> well done. Yeah, I'm, I'm not cheating, Tom. <laughs> and uh, finally, Derby's player of the season in the fans' vote, which was recently crowned as uh, as Matt Clark. Well done to him. I said Matt Clark. Very good. Yeah, I was. I have to say, I found this one difficult, even at the beginning of the season, where I didn't see an outstanding uh, performer. I think we've got a lot of solid players. I actually put Dwayne Holmes. Uh, who looked like a good good shout um, until probably about January or February. Well, if you're talking about the Punjabi Rams player of the year, it was Dwayne Holmes. So, Yeah, I, I was cruelly struck down by an injury through part of the season because I went for Christian Bielik. Uh, he would have had a shout, I think. I think he would have had a shout if he'd stayed fit. And he's going to be an important player next season. I think we can agree. Well, there you go. That's, um, that's a very respectable showing from, from all of us, except those who forgot the who lost the file in their emails. Um... One thing we couldn't have predicted at the start of the season, or maybe some people could, maybe they, I don't know, um, is that over the course of the season, Derby County have been charged by the EFL. And uh, the reason we're talking about this is for two reasons. A, because we still don't have an outcome 
as to what Darby's punishment for that charge is. And secondly, a few days before, um, a few days ago, Sheffield Wednesday have uh, been deducted 12 points by the EFL and that independent panel uh, because of the um, because uh, the offences they committed. So when I uh, when I saw this on Twitter and, and we were talking about it ourselves, the main question seems to be, Kutch, how worried should Derby fans be? I think yeah, a little bit worried. I think you know, there could well, could well be a points deduction coming. Um, it's funny, like you know, we all like to look for experts. You know, particularly on Twitter, there are lots of you know. Um, suppose experts out there and i'm talking about real experts lawyers who know much more about this than any of us and we i, I shared an article with you boys a few days before the the judgment came out from the disciplinary panel you know basically saying that they thought this this expert i can't remember their name thought that wednesday and derby would both get off um for slightly kind of the same reasons which i'll come to in a second um so the fact now that wednesday have been charged or have been found guilty uh, kind of worries me a little bit but there is you know there are some differences obviously between the Wednesday charge and Derby's charge Wednesday were found not guilty of the of the second charge which was um, breaching its duty of utmost good faith to the EFL by deliberately concealing information so the disciplinary panel found that that wasn't that, that they, they weren't guilty of that and they acted they did act in good faith which which I think will, will help Derby's argument I'll come to that in a second what they were charged with though was was obviously the stadium sale and how and importantly how and when the sale of hillsborough took place rather than the sale of the stadium itself now the bit that most people are familiar with of wednesday is that they they sold the stadium in either late 2018 or 2019 but they included it in their 2017 2018 accounts they so they did you know um twiddle the numbers so to speak derby didn't do that you know when, when we did sell the stadium for 80 million pounds we put it in in that year's accounts at the, at the right time and again not an accountant and none of us are um but that last point about the the bad faith charge is probably gives derby a glimmer of hope as we do appear to be basing our defense on the fact that we were in regular contact with the efl and apparently they signed off on the stadium sale um even after negotiations on the actual sale price and that's always been derby's argument so it's going to be a case of whether that argument stands up um and that's what when this lawyer wrote this piece about derby you know defending themselves and they would have a good chance of defending themselves they were saying that if they can prove uh that they they did have these uh, sign off from the efl then then they, they they'd probably get off so the fact it was 12 points for sheffield wednesday we obviously also had the player amortization charge as part of derby's thing which is different from sheffield wednesday so have to see how that one pans out regarding the stadium i think we'll have a lesser points deduction if at all than wednesday uh but of course if we also found guilty of player amortization then that could that could go up so i wouldn't be surprised to see a 12 point deduction still i've got no idea what's going to happen <laughs> i don't profess to be an expert but uh obviously it's going to be next season whatever happens now based on what happens on wednesday you can't help but fear that something similar will happen to derby um and i said to you boys before on the whatsapp group based on nothing whatsoever that maybe derby could be looking at a minus three or a minus six or somewhere in between but on the other hand, like the, the statement that the club put out when this all happened was like absolutely adamant that Derby had done nothing wrong. Of course, the, it is. The, 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 the EFL, uh, well, not only that, they hadn't done anything wrong, but they hadn't done anything wrong because the EFL signed off all that paperwork, and there was even wasn't it even like counter legal action from Derby. And Wednesday um, are still doing that as well against the uh, against the EFL off the back of that. So 
on the one hand, the EFL are clearly looking to clamp down. On the other hand, Derby have been absolutely insistent that they'll fight this tooth and nail. So none of us can really say what's going to happen, Anton. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really important to note that although Wednesday have been charged, they, they still will, of course, um, kind of raise a, a legal challenge to that. So I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that Derby would do exactly the same. Um, I know even less about it than Cutch, so I'm not going to go into too much detail of it. I'm, I'm trying not to worry too much until the actual um, kind of decision comes out it, it would be just our luck really though just to kind of get finally get through this season after all the difficulties we've had and, and finally look ahead positively and, and with some optimism to next season only to be kind of struck back at before the the first kick has even been made um hopefully if, if there is any penalty it will only be kind of three or, or six points which which we could um in theory overturn and, and still have a successful season I think three or six is manageable. I think 12 writes off the season and also gives you very little wriggle room if you have a poor season. So three or six, I kind of would take that now. If if Derby have not done something wrong and that's what we think, this is going to go in the law courts for, for the rest of the season. Like If we get fined six or 12 points, say, in a couple of weeks' time or whenever the decision comes out, then what's going to happen is that Mel Morris and the, the Derby legal team are going to get involved in this and they're going to it's going to go on and on and on it's just going to hang over us so um, I'm not worried about it at the moment I just don't think there's any point in worrying about something which is completely out of our hands uh, currently but at the same time when it does happen it could have a massive impact on next season and it would be a huge shame because we've got a real I, I feel like a real positivity about that the team next year so many good youngsters coming into that side and um, I think if they get get together I think we could really put push for the playoffs or even push into top two uh, with the right signings over this summer uh, I'm already pleased with seeing some of the links that we've had so yeah I'm, I'm worried about it in that sense but I, I just think we've got to wait and see and trust that Derby have done the right thing and the, the legal team will, will fight it tooth and nail well we'll come on to uh, we'll save all the you know the transfer target stuff maybe for the pre-season pod for 2020 2021 but coming back to on the field matters from the previous season um it's award season all of those awards are being dished out uh young player of the year was max bird uh players player of the year was max bird and uh supporters player of the year was matt clark um taking each one in turn or just overall player of the season who would you go for coach i think max bird's a really good shout uh and i think i'd probably go along with max bird to be honest um, Matt Clark has got better and better all season, as we've said in previous pods. I don't think he's quite as good as some people make up, but he make out, but he has got better and better. And I, I would love to have him back. I think he'd be great next season. Uh, so I think Matt Clark definitely deserves a mention. Is probably between him and Max Bird for me. I do think um, I know when the Punjabi Rams voted for their Player of the Year, it actually was in March, which made more sense regarding Dwayne Holmes. I think it was March or, or February. Because I thought pre his injury, I thought he was in some great form and, and looking to kick on. And I think he would have been in a shout uh, for it if, if, he'd, if he'd stayed fit and the season, season hadn't been interrupted the way it was. Um, but yeah, Matt Clark or Max Bird is probably my choices and I'd probably edge for, edge for Max Bird. Yeah, I think I, I'd have gone for Clark. I really like his sort of no-nonsense defending. Yes, he is uh, prone to the odd mistake here and there, but he's still a young defender. Uh, that own goal, for example, uh, uh, in the lockdown period was a, was a, a complete and utter mess. But um, 
but yeah, still, I, I still think that Matt Clark has been an excellent, consistent player, and that's something that we've really lacked. And I'd have liked to have seen him alongside Keo uh, over this season. Uh, shout out to Chris Martin. What a fantastic season that he's ha- he's had uh, back from like nowhere really, having scored that goal against Leeds and then banging in twelve goals this season. And it would have been great to see him re-sign again for for the future, but unfortunately that's not really worked out. So um, yeah, Matt Clark, great. Honorary mentions to Dwayne Holmes, Chris Martin as well. I mean, with Matt Clark because we, we we tweeted about this and and we just raised just an opinion that um, although we recognise Clark has been good and consistent and has improved that he's basically been the the most consistent of an inconsistent side um and that wasn't meant to knock clark down at all like he he, he does seem like a, a good guy and a an improving young player um but and we and we have to give him credit for that but the the facts are he he did also play in a team that conceded three goals in a game 10 times this season in all competitions and he played in a team who only kept nine clean sheets in 46 league games. Only four teams in the championship recorded fewer clean sheets than we did this season. So, yeah, the point we're trying to make with Clark, I can see why he has got it. But it's not as if he's, he's taken this season by storm and he was an absolute no-brainer for a selection. I think it comes into the fact that the uh, defensive five back four and the goalkeeper uh, are a unit and there's been apart from Clark there's been real inconsistency there we started with Keogh then uh, Davis came in then Wisdom came in again alongside him at centre-back Bogle has had a a decent season but has lost a bit of form and Wisdom came in at various times to um, to place him plus he had a bit of an injury spell arguably we've got four left backs in Forsyth, Malone, Lowe and Buchanan not in any particular order there but all of them have at times flattered to deceive and then the goalkeeper problem we've been over loads of times so Clark yes has been the most consistent of an inconsistent bunch but the defensive problems are not down to one person they're down to a unit problem and Clark has done his best to to lead that line and that's why I think uh, I can understand and and say he deserves that that player of the season uh, award I think I might be about to surprise you a little bit with my pick Um, so I think if you were to take the second half of the season Max Bird absolutely walks it um the thing that doesn't quite sit right with me about max bird is, is just having a player of the season who only played half of the season just a, a, a bit unsure about that um which is why i've kind of ruled both him and, and rooney out um if you take the first half of the season i, I would have given it to Dwayne Holmes. so I, I do agree with the punjabi rams on that um but his his form has kind of dipped off in the second half of the season and certainly post-injury um, which is obviously not his fault but hopefully we see the this kind of early season form from Holmes next season um, so that kind of left me with probably two players one it being Matt Clark who as you say has, has been the most impactful defender but the bar is is pretty low with this <laughs> with this team this year and the one that I actually think has had the most impact going forward is Tom Lawrence yeah I agree. Um, he it's without a doubt his best season in the Derby shirt. He, he's kind of started to put behind him the the disciplinary um, issues that he had. We we've really missed him when he's not been in the team. And w- whenever we have been playing well and, and been looking good going forward, he's generally been at the heart of it. Um, so I think certainly from an attacking perspective, he is, is my player of the season. Yeah. I was going to give an honorary mention to Tom Lawrence as well. Actually, I think he's be. I think is because of everything that's happened off the seat, off the field, and then with the red card after lockdown, I think his contribution on the pitch has been massively overlooked. 
He's really improved his decision making on the ball. I still think I'd like to see him go down the going down the byline more often and, and use his left foot because he has got a decent left foot to get balls in. And he's, he's a bit predictable sometimes. He's still shooting too much from too far out. I saw some graphic on Twitter the other day which showed when he shoots from kind of 20 yards out, he's bloody effective. Um, so we'd like to see more of that. I think Cockley's having a massive impact on him. And uh, I really hope he kicks on. He should have another double-figure season next season. And I think he's de- for me, he's definitely in the conversation for player of the season. Yeah, you mentioned Chris Martin there. Tom, as uh, maybe an honorary mention, we can't really do this podcast without saying uh, a fond farewell to as he's uh, as the wardrobe is sent to the furniture store in the sky. Um, <laughs> Flat pat. <laughs> it just seems like the inevitable conclusion, really, of all this. And we were said it before that Derby aren't dishing out those sorts of contracts to, to players anymore. Um, he was probably on a, a similar sort of a wage to someone like Keo, who. At the drink during the drink drive thing was reported to be on around 29 grand a week we just can't dish those contracts out anymore um but from martin's point of view he wants stability he wants probably more than one season so it's not really surprising to see that um what's happened has happened it's a shame it had to end this way but tom as the cliche goes don't be sad it's over just be glad it's happened I, and I am very glad it's happened. Um, I have to say I was sceptical when he first came in as a loan sign-in. I think he scored two goals in his 14 appearances uh, when he brought him from club. I, I remember scoring a header against Leicester in a 2-1 win uh, towards the end of that season. That seemed to like confirm the fact he was going to be signed for us. And then he's been a, a phenomenal player, certainly for the first three years, I would say. But also then this season, obviously, I think he went two years without scoring for Derby when he disappeared off on loan to, to Fulham um, and to, to Reading and other places. I really said my goodbye I think to him when he, he went to Fulham that seemed like the end of the Chris Martin period uh, at Derby and that was um, that was a really sort of I can't believe that this team has been broken up that really great swashbuckling side that we had uh, four or five years ago and I do think that now it's like I am sad. I'd love Chris Martin to be here for another year. He's been fantastic this year, creating and scoring goals. It's been great to see the compilations, but um, I wish him all the best and hopefully he gets uh, the contract he needs. But if he doesn't, as Derby have said, they'd they'd love him back. So it'd be great to see him back. But I do think now is the time. He banged in uh, 25 goals in all competitions in 13-14, Kutch, and uh, 22 in all competitions in 14-15. And that's a season where um, we went to Bournemouth away and uh, Tom took us to the wrong ground by mistake beforehand. That's another story. Uh, and uh, he got injured in that game, was out for a long time, and part of that derailed the promotion push that season, came back at Wigan away and scored. And then he got, I think, like 15, 15, 16, something like that. So he's only really played four full seasons for Derby because there was like that two-year wilderness period on loan at various clubs. But which season do you think Chris Martin was at his best for Derby, would you say? Oh, it's the yeah, the first thirteen fourteen was the playoff final season. Yeah, it's got to be thirteen fourteen. He was so central to that team when we had Craig Bryson on. I was actually surprised a little bit when Craig Bryson was on our pod. Uh, a little plug there that um, he, he didn't actually talk about Craig uh, about Chris Martin as much as I thought he would or did. Um, so yeah, that thirteen fourteen season, he was so integral to the way that team played and bringing the likes of Hughes and Hendrick and Bryson and Forsyth and the others into play and some of the some of the assists that you put out Chris on the Steve is watching Twitter account are just are just incredible I think first of all I'd just like to point out I think Tom was welling up a little bit when he was giving his tribute to uh, I Chris. won't change mate how can you tell <laughs> <laughs> I can hear it in your voice it's breaking um <laughs> which I know I I don't I don't blame you um real sliding doors moment is when McLaren returned 
and we tried like hell in January to get him back off his loan to Fulham. And I just wonder what would have happened if we had gone him back uh, that January. Uh, would that, McLa- that team that McLaren you know, took, a, we had a really good run when he first came back and then it obviously all fall apart in the usual kind of uh, March, April time for Derby. Would Chris Martin have made a big difference in that team? Quite possibly. I think that might be a, a huge sliding doors moment which people overlook a lot. But you know what, in that statement, sorry, just quick Anton, Derby have left the door open for him. This isn't necessarily, it's not 100% confirmed yet, this is the end, because they said he could still come back if he doesn't find the right club. Yeah, I think of all the players from that 13-14 season, and by the way, there's only two left, supposedly. Calabouse is one of them. Um, <laughs> does he count? Yeah, does he count? I, I think I was thinking of Wisdom and Forsyth. Yeah, I'm um, sure. But yeah, so there's only two left. But of all the players from, from that season, Martin leaving probably fills me with the most sadness out of, out of all of them. Gordon um, Bryson? Yeah, I think just, just, it's between those two. But um, yeah, Martin does fill me with a, a little bit of sadness. But I think from a, taking emotion out of it, it's a good decision probably for both parties. But how much are you spending to replace him though? But if you bring someone in who's younger on, yes, they might have a, a fee, but could they? Could you buy someone who's younger and therefore have a bigger sell-on fee? Whereas Chris Martin, if you give him another contract, he's going to leave for a fee in a, a year or two years' time. And if it's two years, they, then it, it might stop someone else coming through. So I, I, I see what you mean, how much he is spending. But if you if we recruit right, which we Big haven't if. done, Big if. Um, then of course there's an option there. And also... like. Waghorn can do that that role as a sort of target man through the middle. Yes, I don't think as effectively as Martin. And Marriott's had injury problems. So we have got some numbers there. And maybe Jamal Hector Ingram is our next next year coming, like youngster coming through. Like, I don't know. We, and we don't know what's what's in the pipeline. So I do think I agree with you, Anton. It's the right sort of time. And with regards to Bryson, it felt right with Bryson leaving. And it was sad, but it felt right for the fact he wasn't really in the side whereas Martin has been in the side I could see him having a pivotal role next year but financially it wasn't right for the club and therefore for Martin the final uh, bit of award based business for this pod the club did put out four options for goal of the season which I meant to check but forgot so I can't remember what they are but I'm going to assume there are probably Lawrence against Huddersfield Lawrence against Huddersfield again Bogle against Stoke Probably Sibley against Blackburn. Was and a Sibley against Blackburn. Um, but the question I had for you all was not what do you think was the best goal we scored, but of all the goals we banged in this season, what was your favourite goal? Doesn't have to be the best one, even if it's a scrappy one, uh, you know, uh, an inconsequential one. Which one did you enjoy most? So my favourite goal of the season has to be Chris Martin against Leeds. Um, I happened to be watching it in the pub at the time with a Leeds fan as well, um, of, of all the chances, um, with with a load of other friends as well. Tom, you were there, I think. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we just got absolutely hammered the whole game. Click missed that hilarious penalty halfway through the second half as well. And then for Martin to pop up with the, with the commentary as well um, from Radio Derby over the top of it, it's, it's just unbelievable. The, the renaissance of Chris Martin and to snatch a, a, a draw um, away at Leeds um, in those circumstances I think that's probably the most I celebrated any goal throughout the whole season It was a, a great finish that one as well and it was, a, it was a good day to give some abuse to some Leeds fans that day um, Mine's another Martin goal and actually it's a bit more recent it's a bit of an obvious one I think the, uh, the Forest 97th minute equaliser now we'd have obviously been there at the game uh, as we had tickets for it had had 
uh, coronavirus not happened. But what I liked the most about it is that we'd uh, we'd been zooming for that, and we had a delay because uh, my Wi-Fi is rubbish, and so therefore Anton and Chris were about five seconds ahead, and me and Cutra were back in the ramshack. Um, but because the goal wasn't immediately obvious and given. Chris and Anton like celebrated <laughs> and then we're like has it gone in and then celebrated properly as the ball crossed the line for us so even though we didn't know if the, it was actually a goal we all celebrated together and it was kind of like we haven't socialised with anybody and then the four of us were like t- together and all celebrating that like we would have celebrated that at Pride Park without the, the hugs of course because they're illegal but, oh, Tom uh, and I were hugging <laughs> <laughs> an underrated uh, best goal of the season was uh, Rooney's free kick at Preston which we also watched also watched on Zoom simply because <laughs> the four of us watched it together and Anton's Wi-Fi was way ahead of ours so we said to Anton when the free kick got awarded Anton in case he scores can you just celebrate off camera for us <laughs> that, I think that was my I think that was my decision actually he was lining up the free kick and I, I said I'm not sure of be able to kind of hold my facial expressions in enough so I'll I'll step away and I was kind of bouncing around the room off camera as as I was listening to you and as soon as I heard you celebrate and I jumped back in and started <laughs> celebrating with you all. brilliant that yeah. was just yeah that was hilarious that was like Seamless. that was like the most lockdown thing that I think happened to me during <laughs> lockdown um yeah I think those two suggestions are probably where I'd go as well really I, I remember feeling pretty emotional after like the 3-2 win against Birmingham early on in the season because like it just felt after the, after the crash that could have just com- we could have just gone completely under as a team and as a club that season so it, I remember it wasn't probably my favourite but I remember thinking when Patterson scored um, just how pivotal that could have been that we weren't going to get bogged down by this huge controversy and that we could move on from it so that's probably a shout from me, but yeah, I'd probably have to agree with you two that it's one of those first two. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, all, all the suggestions are good and the Patterson one is, yeah, actually easily forgotten, but extremely important, that goal. My, my one is a bit similar to Tom's post-lockdown, Louis Sibley's hat-trick goal. First, you know, football's back. We're, we've got a chance, you know, outside chance of a run, but we need to win that first game. And, we, and we're starting this 18-year-old kid that we've been desperate to see for so long. And obviously, the last time we'd seen him, he'd, he'd banged one in on his debut against Blackburn. And I, I told you on the pod, I won't repeat it in, in length, but I'd you know, given my dad the heads up about Louis Sibley. So to see him score that hat-trick, and the, you know, the other goals are probably better than, than the third one. And, and we had a debate whether he scuffed it or not. I still don't think he did. But that going in, seeing an 18-year-old kid from Burton, not Derby, but Starbyshire, score a hat-trick for Derby was just, and football being back, that was I was so happy and so excited by that moment. I and I did celebrate that goal, you know, really big, even though we probably already won the game. So I, I'd give it Lewis Sibley's third against Newell. Just uh, an admin point that um, uh, I believe Burton's technically in Staffordshire, but has a Derbyshire <laughs> postcode. <laughs> well, actually, you're from Burton, so I'm, I'm glad you corrected me, Chris. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, before we finish, that's all we've got time for on this pod. Kutch, you've got you're going to put your trivia hat on. You've got an actual hat on, but uh-huh. you're going to put a metaphorical trivia hat on for the last for the last time in 2019-2020. You've got a, a little game for the three of us. Take it away. I'm going to give you a player, and you're going to, you're going to have a bit of a. There's going to be three three players, and you're going to fight each other over this. And you've got. I'll tell you how many clubs they've played for, including Derby. We're going to include Derby because it's less confusing. And then you're going to have to bid how many of those clubs you can name. You need no wrong guesses. So first up, Chris versus Tom. The player is Lee Grant, and he's played for six clubs, including Derby. Chris, how many can you uh, how many can you name from those six? Uh, Quick game's a good game. Four. 
Can you do more than four? Uh, Chris can have the four. All right, go for it. Oh, crap. <laughs> um, Derby County. Correct. Burnley. Correct. Manchester United. Yep, hasn't appeared in the league, but has appeared in the cup against Derby, in fact. Um, That's it. I'm going to have to take a guess on number four and say Stoke. He did play for Stoke. <laughs> the one he missed was uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Course, so let's take uh, Chris versus uh, Anton now. Winner, winner stays on, so to speak. Tough one. They've got two players here. We just talked about him a lot. And Chris, uh, Tom mentioned some of his clubs. Chris Martin has played for eight clubs, including Derby County. Anton, do you have the first punt? Eight clubs, including Derby. I'll start a bit of a bidding war, I think, with four. Four. Seven. Seven? <laughs> You're going to take on seven? Can you do, can you do eight, Chris? Uh, Anton? Oh, I'm not going to be able to do eight. So, Chris, Chris have them. Seven. Watch and learn, boys. Norwich City. Correct. Crystal Palace. Correct. Derby County. Correct. Reading. Yes. Hull City. Yes. Fulham. Yes. How many is that? That was seven. There you go. So, what was wow. the one you missed? Luton Town. No, Swindon. He's no, also- he ba- and, and Luton. He didn't say seven, he said six. Yeah, I was going to say I thought it was six, coach. <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh, so he said, he said Luton, no. He, he, added, he did say Luton. I said Luton before you told it me. Yeah, so. yeah, we'll give him that. Sorry, that's a bad admin from me. All right, so Chris is the ultimate champion, but we'll play for a second, third playoff here. Last player for, you know, to avoid the wooden spoon, Jamie Ward. So the reason I chose these three players is, you know, the great team of 13, 14. Jamie Ward played for 11 clubs. So uh, Tom can have the first punt of the number he's going for. 11 clubs, including Derby. I'm going to go three. Can you count them as he says them? Yeah. <laughs> uh, three. Starting low. Four. Five. <laughs> six. I'm going to let you have six, Anton. Because I think I've got five definitely, but uh, yeah. So Derby, Forest. Yep. Oh, my memory is it's almost as well, bad mate. as yours. I mean, looking for six. I'm on two so far. Yeah, th- thanks, Coach. Burton Albion? Six. Yeah, Burton Albion. Yeah, three. Birmingham? Birmingham City is not there. So, no, Tom gets a uh, runner-up. Wanna... Can I jump in with Chesterfield? Yeah. Correct, yeah. Yes, yeah, Aston Villa, Stockport County, Torquay, Chesterfield, Sheffield United, Derby County, Nottingham Forest, Burton Albion, Cardiff City, Charlton Athletic and Scunthorpe United. And he's looking for a club currently. There we go. It's been... Uh... It's been good, this, isn't it? Been emotional we're, for sure. That's all we've got time for on this pod, this episode, and this season. So we're going to try and return for pre-season. When's it start next season? It's twelfth, isn't it? Twelfth September. September. Yeah. So we're going to come back uh, sometime before then. I'm going on holiday, just to let you know. Uh, so we'll have to get wrapped up in late August. But it's been it's been great, isn't it? We're going to try and carry on doing this. At least get to hundred episodes. Come on. Yeah, ten more to go. Um, we're ni- we're literally ninety percent of the way there. So we're going to do that. But until then, Richard, cheers. Absolute pleasure, boy. Tom, thank you very much. All the best. And Anton, thank you to you. Loved it. Cheers, lads. Enjoy your summer, everyone. See you next season.